Ghoulish greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. I'm your host, Tessa Morrow, and as always, those lovely tunes that just went through the old amazing years of yours is courtesy of my good friend, country legend, Bobby Mackey. Now, today, I have an extremely special guest joining me. You hear his voice at the beginning of every single episode. Yep, Robert Randall Mackey, my friends, who we lovingly know as Bobby Mackey. He's been blessing folks with his lovely singing voice for over 40 years. My sister and I, we went to visit him a few years back, and we had such an amazing time. I mean, being at Bobby Mackey's Music World in person was such a great experience. We walked alongside of the... the train tracks that's behind Bobby Mackey's and just being in there it was amazing his right hand dude RJ who is one of the friendliest people ever took us on a private tour giving us history throughout the building the music was of course epic Bobby even did a shout out while on stage to Casey and I as we happily watched in the audience We then got to go in this private VIP room in the back and spend one-on-one time with Bobby Mackey and his amazing wife, Denise, even joined in a little later on. Bobby was accommodating and so amazing. We talked for quite a while until he had to leave suddenly and jump on that stage again. And I shared the story where he's talking about his dear mom and how she sang Coming Home. And when I asked him if he could record him singing that for me, he did not hesitate. He did it happily, even recording a video of him playing the guitar and singing the song his mother happily sang all those years ago. So, without waiting a second longer, let's get Bobby Mackey on. Bobby Mackey, my friend, thank you so very much for taking time and joining me on the podcast. It's been a few years since you were on the radio show. How are you? I'm doing great, and yeah, it has been a while. We've talked about it along the way, and we finally got it together, and I'm I'm happy to be on here with you now. Oh, gosh, pleasure is all mine. Every time we talk, it is just so much fun. Now... Bobby, I love the fact that you have Bobby Mackey's Music World, a place where lovers of music and your fans and friends can come and watch you every single weekend performing on stage. I feel genuinely blessed to have been able to make it out that way. We had such an incredible time with you and Denise, and I was telling RJ the other day on the phone that I need to get back out that way. Yeah, that would be great. We had a great time the night you were there. You know, it never gets old. I've been there coming up on 44 years this year. We'll be celebrating 44 years there, and it, it never gets old. All I've ever wanted to do was play music, of course, and that's what I do. And the rest of it takes care of itself. I hear the stories of people coming from all over to investigate. It's one of those things that just doesn't die. It just keeps going. And I'm, you know, I'm a, a firm believer that more people do believe in the paranormal than don't. Right. Especially today, just, you know, more and more people are becoming accepting of it and believing in it and having encounters of their own. And so, yeah, it's a rather neat thing. And I have to say, when Casey and I went to to see you perform, 
I tell you, you just had so much passion on stage. And that's so great. Like you see some people who get kind of burnt out or tired of it, but not you. Like you were just like, so happy and greeting everybody and you know, getting everybody involved. And I just absolutely loved that 100%. <laughs> well, you use the, the correct term. Passion is what it is. Right. And, uh, you know, I've been recording a lot more since we talked last. I've been recording a lot more and got a niche going on with uh, getting some good songs. And in fact, as we speak, I have the number one song on the independent, uh, on the Indie Express independent chart. As we speak, I have the number one song. Wow. It's a, song a, a song I recorded. It's called I'm Looking for Audrey. Oh, wow. I never heard and, that. And it goes back to, to Hack, Hack, Hack Williams Sr. Audrey was Hack Jr.'s mother. And uh, hmm. and Hack and Audrey had quite a quite a, a rough ride of it. Their marriage was up and down, and they finally uh, divorced and everything. But this song is about Hack going in a bar in Nashville every night looking for Audrey. Oh, Wow. Oh, that's neat. That's well, first of all, congratulations being number one. That is totally exciting. And I've never heard a song of yours that I didn't like. So this one sounds like a good one. <laughs> well, check it out on YouTube. Uh, all my music's on there, of course, but check that one out in particular looking for Audrey and uh, check it out and see what you think of it. It's, uh, when I first heard the song, I was, I was hooked on it. By the time I heard the first line, that was used in the song pertaining to looking for Audrey. By the time I heard that line the first time in the song, I was hooked and I recorded it as, as quickly as I could at that point. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out on YouTube for sure. So, Bobby, how did Bobby Mackey's Music World come to be? How did you find this special location in Wilder, Kentucky? Well, Wilder, Kentucky... You know, it sounds like someplace in the middle of Kentucky, but someplace far out, but it's not. It's right across the river from downtown Cincinnati. Yeah. And, uh, and you can see the skyline of Cincinnati from the front door. Well, I was playing clubs back of Cincinnati, just north of Cincinnati. Over a period of eight years, I, was, I played in three different clubs within five minutes of each other. And every time I'd leave one and go to the other, Everybody from the club I just left would follow me to the next one. <laughs> wow! And and I knew I knew I had something going. Some friends of mine uh, kept coming over to see me, and they said you need to get a place over in Northern Kentucky on the other side of the river. They were from in from Northern Kentucky, mm. and they kept coming out there uh, to the well, actually all the clubs I played in out there in the Tri County area. I said, you need to, need to get a place in northern Kentucky. So, you know, it sounded interesting, and it came about there was an old gambling casino in Wilder just outside of Newport on Route 9, the AA Highway, that, that had been closed for a while. And But it was an old gambling casino back in the 1930s and 40s, and at the time I didn't know of all the history of the place. But uh, I checked it out, and you know it—it it worked out. 
and it was economical. It, it was kind of run down, but I had time to work on it. And actually, it's still, after 44 years I've been there, it's still run down, so <laughs> it worked. <laughs> You know, it just has this like homey feel to it. I remember when me and Casey, we've seen it on TV before. And, you know, when we were there in person, it was just so neat. Like I could feel like the atmosphere. It's hard to explain, but it just looked like such a neat place. And obviously we were there several hours earlier before you were open for that night. But yeah, I remember just kind of walking along the train tracks and it was just like such a neat feeling. And speaking of the train tracks, they aren't your typical tracks. They're kind of have a special meaning for you, don't they? Yeah, actually it does. Of course, that the track, the, the railroad track runs between the nightclub and the Licking River. I grew up in a little town, a little town of Concord, Kentucky, which is an hour and a half drive east of, of where the nightclub is that's where I grew up it's a little place called Concord and the railroad run right through that town and when I was little and my mom ran the grocery store worked in the grocery store every time a train whistle every time she'd hear a tw- train whistle she'd come running to make sure I wasn't on the railroad track <laughs> <laughs> so anyway you, you can get on that track right there in Concord where I grew up it'll go right behind that nightclub in Wilder. I love that. I remember you telling me that when we when we first met in person, and I thought that was such a cool story. It's like literally a piece of home behind your club. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's a place like no other. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it's just got atmosphere. And, you know, it's. I got the place thinking that I would go to Nashville one day. I'd move to Nashville. But mm. after I got the club, it just kind of latched onto me and wouldn't let go of me. So I'm still there. <laughs> right. It's your it's your forever club. That's <laughs> Yeah. You're not going nowhere. And I think the people like that way, like it that way. And the spirits do. Well, it's it's changed. You know, the, it, it's evolved over the years. You know, back in the 80s and everything that we, we got open in 78. And the Urban Cowboy movie come out in in 1980. When I heard about the Urban Cowboy movie before it was released, I heard about John Travolta riding this mechanical bull <laughs> in the in the movie Urban Cowboy. And so I went out there, went out to uh, Gillies and uh, out in Pasadena, Texas, and checked it out. <laughs> you know, I was I had mixed feelings about it. I thought, now this is great. And it works here in Texas, but I don't know if the cowboys and cowgirls would be as apt to ride a mechanical bull in Kentucky, probably more likely to be doing that in Texas. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But And so that was a gamble in my mind, but, you know, people are people everywhere. And once you put it there in front of them, they got to ride it. Somebody does. And I always said then, back then, I would be asked by news interviews and stuff, well, is this a fad or how long do you think this will last? I said, well, I think people will write it as long as it's sitting there. I think it's just like a pool table. Right. Yeah. There's a pool table sitting there. Somebody's going to play. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, it's so funny, Bobby. I, I remember seeing that mechanical bull 
when I went there and I didn't know it was from the movie Urban Cowboy. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that, that, uh, wow. I, I bought the third one that Gillies made. Uh, they made, they bought the patent for it and they started making the bull before the, the movie come out. They, they built the first one for John Travolta to take to his ranch and, and practice on and learn to write it so he could do it in the movie. The second one they made, they used in the movie. And the third one I bought, and I've still got it. It, it doesn't work. It's just a shell. We wore it out. But during these uh, years, we wore out about seven of them anyway. So. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> How long, Bobby, were you at Bobby Mackey's Music World before you realized that it may have some paranormal activity going on. Well, it wasn't long after we got in there. My late wife and I, my wife at the time, you know, we had a, a lot of things to do. The place had been closed for a long time. We had a lot of cleaning, a lot of painting, and things to do. Yeah. And we needed some help. And this kid from right up the street, he lived in the closest house that set the closest house to the nightclub was the house that this kid lived in. He was 18 years old. His name was Carl Lawson. Mm-hmm. And we were down there, uh, you know, making plans and everything. And, of course, he lived right there. And he popped through the doors. Hi, my name's Carl. If there's anything you want to know about this place, I know everything there is to know about it. <laughs> well, you know, he, we, we need some help. Can you help us, you know, with paint, clean stuff? Yeah, he says, sure can. So we hired him, and actually he became, well, I don't want to get ahead of the story, but before we got the club open, before we ever got it open, he started trying to tell me things. And, you know, my wife Janet and I had, had, had a lot on our plate. You know, we had to make that work. We, we were sinking everything we had in it. Right. And I had to make it work, and I didn't want to hear no negative stuff. And, and he kept telling me this stuff. And I said, hmm. it finally got my attention, because I wouldn't pay no attention. He finally got my attention. I said, Carl, what are, you, what are you talking about? If you're talking about what I think you are, I don't want to hear anything about that. Yeah. I don't want to run people off before we ever get doors open. Because, uh, you know, where I came from, up in Lewis County, Kentucky, when people would talk about a house being haunted someplace, there in the county or somewhere around there, I'd be I'd be the last place I'd want to go. I wouldn't want to go around there, but maybe that was just me. So, so you know, Carl kept on, and uh, he, he didn't get my attention. I told him not to say nothing about it, but he uh, he got uh, Janet's attention about it, and you know, things started happening to her. And but I still paid no attention to it. I just thought that you know, well, it'll have to go away because I'm here now. <laughs> well, right. we'll play music here. It'll, it'll just have to go away, and we'll play music here. <laughs> so right. anyway, anyway, that's the first time. That's how I heard about it first. And by me telling Carl not to say nothing about it, he didn't. He didn't talk about it to nobody. Of course, because when we opened, it became Carl's job to keep to clean the place and stock the beer and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, and he was there a long time, and and did just that. And I think we'd been there about 10 years, and he still hadn't said anything about it to anybody. And a friend of mine, Doug Hensley, had been writing 
like uh, fiction, short stories and stuff, and selling them to some publishing company. And he he mentioned that to me, that he was doing that. I so he read me some things from a something he'd written and and sold to them. And I said, that kind of reminds me of a story about the nightclub that I that Carl has told me about. I said, it, you, the, the, what you got there is fiction, but Carl tells me that things like that are true around there. And it got his attention. And he went to Carl and asked him about it, and Carl wouldn't, wouldn't talk to him because I had told him not to talk to anybody about it, and he didn't. Yeah. Well, they worried me to death. Doug would come to me, and you got to get him to tell me. You got to get him to tell me the story. I mean, they just they just wore me down. One night at the club, and while we were in operation, all night long they come to me. Well, when we finally quit playing music that night, Doug brought Carl to me, and we were the three of us were standing there, and and Doug said, "You got to you got to tell him it's okay for him to tell me." I said, "All right, Carl, go ahead and tell him whatever you want to. Uh, you know, you you guys are worrying me to death. I don't I don't want to deal with it." <laughs> so. But, but Doug took it for real, and Carl started telling him stuff. And it come rolling out in this book that that Doug uh, actually finished up. Uh, it's it's available on Amazon and, every, and, and most every place books are sold. It's called Hell's Gate, written by Douglas Hensley. Okay, yeah. I'm always looking for new books to read, and that one definitely sounds right up my alley. So I'll have to check that out. So we all know from watching shows like Ghost Adventures that Carl Lawson was a really great friend of yours and an incredible loyal employee. Um, yes. What's terrifying is, you know, what he went through, that terrifying P word, possession. When did you first realize that something was terribly wrong with your friend? Well... He was just meek as he could be. He wouldn't do or say anything to hurt anybody's feelings. He was yeah. just shy and meek and just a nice kid. It it turned into where he where he, his personality would change. And I would have to talk to him for a few minutes. When I, if I'd go down there during the day or something that, you know, I needed done or whatever, I'd have to talk to him for just a little while to figure out how to deal with him because he was different from one time to another. Yeah, poor and guy. It, uh, and all this started basically after, after the ten years in, when he started t telling Doug the story, and Doug was writing the book, and mm. and the book came out, and we got, we were on several shows like Geraldo and Sally Jesse Raphael, and and on and on, hard copy. Wow. A cur current affair. They they featured it, and all these things changed Carl. Then there was a. A time when when a preacher came in and did, did an exorcism on him, and uh, they wanted me to be there, and I refused. I didn't want no part of it. I stayed away from it. Yeah, uh, I saw some of the video of it. It's uh, I think it's available on YouTube. You can probably find that exorcism on there. I'll have to look it up. I you know I don't watch Ghost Adventures these days, but I recall watching your episode obviously when it did come out and they did show, I believe a little part of that. And he's just like 
screaming and banging on the table and it was it was scary I could only imagine being there in person I wouldn't have wanted to be there either you're smart not to want to be part of that but also I'm sure you didn't want to see your friend like that you know I mean I'm sure it pained you and his you know everyone who knew him to see him like that well that part of it came from from the minister demanding that the that the demons leave him yeah, and he and he he kept responding and yelling, "I ain't going nowhere," and stuff like that. And I'm glad I wasn't there. I don't I don't like yeah. what I see on on the video, but I'm glad I wasn't there. Right. Yeah, and we do know that he since has passed away, and I'm so sorry for your loss because I know you guys were so close. Yeah, it was it was sad because the whole thing just ate at Carl. Yeah. The whole thing did. And it, it, it took him down. He, he was an alcoholic. He became an alcoholic, mm. you know, over, over the years. And it, and it took him down. And, and I had I had to let him go because it, I guess, you know, his, he was just drinking too much. And, but he still never let me down. He got everything done. Yeah. But, you know, he was there all week. And, and alcohol was was open to him. And, and that, I just just a bad uh, a bad deal I had to let him go and uh, but he finally he finally died of a liver problem yeah yeah that's that's a shame definitely I I hope he's in a better place now and I do too yeah absolutely so um you know Bobby some people consider Bobby Mackey's Music World to be one of the most haunted locations in the United States. What do you think about that? Well, you know, it's in my mind. And, <laughs> uh, I think Zach Bagan is the, is the first person who said that. Mm, okay. From from Ghost Adventures. Yeah. Remember when Ghost Advent Adventures first came out? It was Zach, Nick, and Aaron had this show called Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel. Right. And they had they had done about three different uh, stories on it. And finally, Zach, they had encounters when they were there filming and stuff. And, and Zach, uh, Zach coined that, that phrase, the most haunted nightclub in America. You know, you were there, and, and when we're open, and the band and I are playing music, playing country music, people come there, people don't think about that, that much. Yeah. It's it's not in the forefront of their mind. They they're always curious about it and always asking about it. And we do give tours. People tour the basement and stuff. Yeah. And people come during the week. Uh, paranormal groups from all over the United States come and and do invest. They call it investigations. They bring all kinds of equipment. And spend the night in there. It happens over and over again. So I don't know what to say about it. I've uh, that at first when it first started happening, I was I just you know refused to believe any of it. Well, I still do, but I've softened a bit because <laughs> so many people are so into it, yeah, and, and believe in it so much. I don't want to insult them, so I just let it be. Whatever it is, is what it is. Right. No, that's that's smart. That's good. You know, and it is neat that. People, like you said, people usually they go for the music and the, like I said, just the atmosphere, just sit in there with the beer and 
listening to you and watching you perform and I mean it's all great and yeah we did a tour first RJ was awesome and kind of walked us around you know just Casey and I and then later that night after you know listening to you perform we went on a tour with Alex and down in the basement and yeah just genuinely a very neat place I, I really do need to make it back that way and because it's like you know you go there and you're treated like family and it was just kind of so neat chatting with you and Denise and yeah it was really really great Alex is still around he uh he's he's not giving the tours anymore uh, as of right now but he's still around he's a great guy and, and he's still around Oh, good. Good to hear. Yeah, he's a cool dude, for sure. When we were yeah. there, I asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast, and he said sure. And so, yeah, we got him on, and um, he's still one of the high-ranked episodes that have been listened to. And so I, you know, because I put Bobby Mackey's in there, and I think people just kind of gravitate towards your name. So I can only imagine how many listens this episode itself will get because because of you. But so we'll have to see. But, you know, Bobby, this territory, this location you're at comes with some dark and quite murderous history. You have two songs, which actually are my favorite songs that I kind of want to talk about. And they're based on true events. The first one that I want to talk about is Poor Pearl. So I know, but so for the people who are listening who might not know, who exactly is Pearl? Tell us about her heartbreaking story, if you will. O'Brien was uh, from Indiana. She had a boyfriend that was going to dental school at the University of Cincinnati, going to dental school. He and a friend of his, it was, I've forgotten the name, Lonzo Walling and uh, Scott Jackson. And I forget which one was her boyfriend, but it, it's all in the book as far as uh, the Hell's Gate book and everything. But they were attending dental school there and she came down to visit him on a train and he met her to train there in Cincinnati uh, of course he was her, her boyfriend was from out in Indiana someplace and she had became pregnant so she rode the train down to join him down here in Cincinnati and uh, and I, I guess she was spending the weekend while he and his friend, I don't know, I don't know the whole story. It was, it was like the crime of the century. It happened in 1896. I don't know if they attempted an abortion on her and she died or what happened, but she, they cut her head off. Ugh. It was the biggest story of the time. Yeah. The nightclub, in the basement, basement of the nightclub, there was an old well. And the site was a slaughterhouse at that time. Hmm. And there was a well where they drained the blood from the animals into that well and into the Licking River. And it has to do with that. They never did find Pearl O'Brien's head. And these two guys were, were hung for the crime. And the judge gave them the opportunity that he would commute their sentence if they would tell where her head was and they wouldn't do it they didn't tell wow so it's all a mystery but you know 
the word was that the head was disposed of in that well where the blood from the slaughterhouse was drained. Right. And what's so crazy to me, Bobby, is, is that they could have had their lives saved if they released the location of the skull. And it's like they had that much hate in their heart where they're like, nope, we'd rather die. We're not giving you any closure or answers about this at all. You know, it's, it, people are so crazy to me. It's, you know, it's, it's insane. Well, the other side of that is, uh, I believe, and, and there have been several hints of it. I believe that they were into devil worshiping. Yeah. And it had to do with that well, with the blood, and with her head and all that, and they wouldn't tell that part of it. Yeah, that makes that makes sense, yeah. It's a great song. I mean, it's a very sad story, sad thing that happened. Like Bobby said, crime of the century, but it's a good song. And it's titled Poor Pearl, so definitely check that out. Now, the next song is johanna like pearl johanna's story is a very very sad one let's hear a little bit about johanna well that story came along on in up into the gambling days when they built gambling casino over top of that well as as time went on the gambling and everything and and things kept happening and carl seemed to know more about things that happened years ago than anybody else did I didn't even know there was a well under the floor there in the basement. I didn't know that, and I don't know how Carl knew it. Hmm. But I was down there one day, and Carl, I, there was something Carl and I were talking about. We needed, I needed something done. We went to the basement. It was really cold. It was in November. It, it happened to be really cold. We went down to the basement, which which not heated. It was it's like a like a freezer. Right. But anyway. Uh, we went down there and we had a flashlight, and we go we we go in this room where the where the well ended up being right under this certain room. We go in this room and there were holes chopped in the floor, and it wasn't there before. <laughs> it, it was like they were just like a pickaxe, just little holes. So I asked Carl what that was about. He said, "I don't know." He he wouldn't tell me nothing about it. Huh. Come to find out later. You know, he took a flashlight and shined down through those holes, and and we looked, and there was a mouth of a well right under that, where the holes were chopped. Oh, wow, incredible. Huh. The, the well was right under that. So, I, I don't know. Well's got a lot to do with, and of course, that produced the name Hell's Gate. Yeah. Book. But I, I don't know. It's Yeah. It's many years have gone by, and people are still interested in it. People come from everywhere to to investigate it, to check it out. There used to be a lot more activity around there, people experiencing things than there is now. Right. I mean, there's still there's still things I hear, stories that people tell, and and most of them are very familiar to me because I've heard them over and over. From yeah. People. Well, and it seems like Johanna might be actually one of your resident spirits right i mean people like even in your song you mentioned about a rose perfume and how yeah. you know people have possibly smelled her yes the story goes a little a little further actually johanna's daddy was running the gambling casino and 
uh, Johanna became involved with a singer that came there. It was well, the syndicate. The, the gambling casino was run by the syndicate, but Johanna's father actually ran it. Mm. So this singer, this cabaret singer, came there, was performing there. His name was Robert Randall. <laughs> Johanna took up with him, and her father found out about it and, and demanded that she stay away from him, that he he was no good. He'd just be passing through and stay away from him. And well, she didn't. She, she didn't. She kept seeing him and was actually getting ready to run off with him. And Johanna's daddy had him killed. So she killed herself mourning over her Robert Randall. Well, you know, what's really weird is, you know, my birth name is Robert. Yeah. Robert Randall. Randall's my middle name. Yeah, that's just, I remember when you told me that when I met you, and that was just, it blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's that's wild. Yeah. You know, to have the same name, and now with the connection of them being there, now you have that. It's just, yeah, incredible. And he, was a singer. he was a singer. Right, and a singer. I mean, jeez. <laughs> yeah. It's too, much, it's too much for my head. I, right. Know, I can't, you know. I can't dwell on that, and I never have. It's you know, still, it's still all about the music for me, and right. that's all, all it's ever going to be. Right, yeah, I get that for sure. Now, Bobby, during our first interview together a few years back, one thing that really stuck with me was an incident that you shared with me that had to do with your late wife, your first wife, which involved a spirit and quite an aggressive one who enjoys messing with women, and not just women, but pregnant women. What? exactly happened that day well i at the time we were trying to get the place open and carl was telling these stories and stuff and she had an incident she was she was pregnant my wife was pregnant she had an incident where she got it was she wasn't shoved down the stairs she it was kind of just it kind of just wasn't thrown or shoved kind of just held there and let go mm. and then she and she fell down the steps. Well, she she delivered a baby. Uh, the baby was a pound and 15 ounces. Oh, my goodness. She, she was just five and a half months pregnant. And uh, But they saved her at Children's Hospital here in Cincinnati. They saved her. She's, uh, she's 43 years old and is a registered nurse today. That is so awesome. Yeah, I got chills when you told me about it the first time, and I got them again this time. I mean, one and a half pounds five and a half months pregnant. I mean, that's just to me mind blowing, you know, she wasn't even past her second trimester. And so I mean, I'm glad that mother and baby both were, you know, okay. I mean, that must have been terrifying for you. Like, you know, you're concerned for your wife and not only your wife, but your unborn child. And it's like, okay, there's no way in heck this is going to come out okay. I mean, you know, she's not far along in the, you know, pregnancy. But my goodness, some less than two pounds, and now she's a healthy woman, and she's a registered nurse herself. So They gave her a 10% chance of living when she was born. Wow. We had just opened a nightclub. Mm. Well, let me take that back. Uh, this happened just before we opened the nightclub. When Shonda was born, August 25th, and we opened the nightclub September the 8th. And, of course, when we got open, we were open five nights a week, and 
And at the time we opened, Shonda was this new baby over in the hospital, you know, struggling to live. And we we would open the nightclub, we'd close the nightclub and go straight from there to the hospital and stay stayed around daylight with her. Oh. And go home and get some sleep and, and go back and do it all over again. Ninety five days. Oh my goodness. In the hospital. Oh, wow. Bless her heart. And bless your hearts, too. I mean, talk about just running on empty. It's like club, baby, you know, sleep. I mean, just what that must have been a stressful time. What was supposed to be an exciting time, you know. It most certainly, most certainly was stressful. And we, we went every single night. We'd close the nightclub and go go to the children's hospital and oh. uh, uh, touch her, hold her. She was in an incubator and we could run her hands in those little portholes. We'd, we'd touch her and hold her hand and stuff, and she was just lifeless. Wow. And, uh, but, you know, a, a time came when we could get her out of there and hold her in her arms. <laughs> oh, and so tiny. I could only imagine... I could only... I mean, I don't have children myself, but I just... I'm, picture, I'm trying to picture one and a half pound baby and oh my god like how incredibly tiny yeah I was, uh, you know i look back at it it was, uh, it was we were numb most of the time anyway we we're just numb yeah. about it and and then the, you know she grew up and was fine oh well that's good and now she's look at her she's she's a hero now helping people and saving people and making a difference yeah. and so and, good and for I, her she gave me two beautiful granddaughters. One's 12 and one of them's 12 and the other's 15. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's a good ending to the story that she, you know, that she was okay and still is. <laughs> yeah. It's all amazing. When you look back at it, it's, it's, you can't, you can't even imagine, you know, how it, we had no, we had no assurance that, it was going to turn out right. We right. just took it a day, a day at a time, and it did work out. So, yeah, yeah, that's all you can do. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad it did for sure. So, Bobby, each time I talk to you, I always need to ask, "How's your mother? How old is she right now?" She's 102 and a half. Oh, my goodness, that is amazing. I mean, I see pictures that. You and Denise post on Facebook, and it amazes me. I mean, she does not look like she's 102 and a half years old. She looks like she's like maybe in her 80s or maybe 90s, but certainly not past 100. She was born. The house she still lives in, of course, she's not in a nursing home or anything. She's she lives in the house where I was born. Yeah. The the bedroom she sleeps in every night every night is the. The bedroom she gave birth to me in. Oh my god, that is awesome! <laughs> I love it. She is amazing, and that's so cool. Like that must feel so neat. Like you, I know you go religiously to visit her, and I mean, it must be so neat walking into the house that you were born in, and just I just love that. I think it's so neat that your mom is still around, and she's active and happy and that's awesome <laughs> and she's been she's been very good mentally yeah but uh, she contracted the virus uh, oh just, just about maybe six weeks ago or something she got over it she got right through it never went to the hospital or doctor they gave her uh, some 
what some antibody shots i think well of course she has daycare nurses that come to the house twice a week yeah but she got through it and it, it was amazing because you know we just we just thought that that'd be the end of her but yeah she plowed she plowed through it the aftermath of it she has seemed to slip a little bit mentally oh and, i'm and sorry she, and she she tells things like her imagination is going wild you know okay yeah i got you yeah this this covid is just it's I'm sorry that she went through that. I'm glad she beat it. And I hope that, you know, every day she feels better. Hopefully this little, you know, thing is just the temporary, you know. Yeah, I, you know, it, it could it could come back. But she yeah. imagines things. She imagines things. Just like things going on that ain't, you know. Okay. Yeah. No, I hear you. Well, I will definitely keep her in my thoughts, and but and we've been blessed. We've been blessed to have her all this time. And, uh, and, yeah. And until this thing, this come along, she was she was great mentally, and, right. and she still she still has times you can have a conversation and everything's fine. Yeah. But she kind of goes off a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, geez, she's you see in the news. I mean, I finally stopped reading the news just because I think they're just trying to scare people, but, uh, and they lie to us too. Right. That's right. That they, they lie to us a lot too. But you know, it's like you see like a 35 year old police officer, healthy dies from COVID and all these things. And it's just like, it's amazing how my, my great aunt, she just passed away this past year, but she, she got COVID and we're like, Oh no, this is the end of her. You know, this is it. And she, she died a couple weeks later, not from COVID, just something else totally. But yeah, it's like, especially when you have your elderly loved ones and you know that they get sick, it's just kind of like, Oh, oh this has to be it. And it's kind of like a sigh of relief when it's not it, you know, it's like, okay, whew, you know? Yeah. A little, a little bit of a funny story. You know, when the, when the COVID first came out and, it was killing a lot of people, and it scared everybody to death. Yeah. I mean, everybody would, I mean, just scared to death to get around anybody, afraid to leave their house. Right. And so, you know, and mom was concerned about it. She wouldn't go nowhere and everything, you know, real protective. And and then when she got it, which was a couple of years later from that scare, you know, uh, almost. So she got it, and at that point, we didn't tell her what she had. See, her, her caregiver, the that stays with her Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Her husband was a truck driver. And, of course, we don't know where it came from for sure, but it, the caregiver didn't know it, but she had brought it in there. Cause, uh, because my, my mother and my brother, who, who stays there too, both had it at the same time. But me and my two brothers decided we wouldn't tell her what she had. Yeah. So she was just so sick, and, and we, you know, looked after I mean... My brother had it too, so he was right there on top of it. And, but my other brother and I, who didn't have it, we didn't go around. Yeah. But but she was taken care of, it, and the and the caregiver that had taken it there, uh, she went to going back after after she got over the worst part of her. She went to going back and taking care of her because because she had just gotten over. It. Well, my my brother said it was the funniest thing. We she didn't know what she had. We just didn't want her worried about it. Yeah, and uh, and uh, 
she told my brother, she said, I just don't understand why I'm so sick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we thought best that she not know. Yeah. That would, that would worry her and scare her to death. Oh, yeah. She had already, everybody was already in the mindset yeah. that it was almost a death sentence. You know? Right. Yeah, no, that was smart that you that you didn't tell her. I mean, yeah, that's. But she couldn't understand why she she was so oh. sick. <laughs> oh, sweet thing! Oh, poor thing! You know, there was one story I remember you telling me, and it was—I mean, when we were there in person, and I remember you started singing "Coming Home," and you told us this sweet little story about your mom. And of course, as many of my listeners know, because I use that song from time to time on here on the episodes, yeah. you actually Denise recorded you playing the guitar and singing that song for me when I asked. And I have always yeah. been so grateful for that. But can you please tell people the sweet little story of your mom singing with that song? Well, for for a brief time, uh, mom decided she would go in an assisted living place which was a, less than an hour from from the house. Of course, she lived in, you know, she's lived in that house since 1945. Hmm. First of all, let me say that. Well, she went to this assisted living. It was, a, it was a new place that just opened, less than an hour away. And yeah. she thought maybe that would be best for her. And, but she didn't like it. And, you know, she tried to make it work, but, it, you know, finally we just had to take her back home. And Denise and I picked her up. And Denise is my, is, is my wife now. We picked her up, headed toward home, and, and Mom's all the way home saying, Lord, I'm coming home. <laughs> yeah, talk about just pure joy and being happy. She's like, you know, yes, I'm coming home. That's my home. <laughs> and she was so tickled, Beth, tickled to get home and sleep in her own bed. And, of course, she's been there since now, so... I love it. Yeah, that's that's great. So we kind of covered the history on Bobby Mackey's and some of the spirits. But real quick, Bobby, I, we need to talk a little bit about some music, your true love, passion. Out of all the songs you've written and sang throughout the years, I know this is probably a goofy question because they're all probably very special in their own way to you, but what's your most favorite song and why? Well, I, you know... Probably looking for Audrey that is my favorite song that I've ever recorded, and as we spoke about it earlier, it, it's number one right now. And yeah, I, I'm so proud because see, Hank Senior Hank was my biggest inspiration when I was growing up. When I well, when I was a little kid, I was I was singing Hank Williams songs when I was four years old. Wow! And, and my mom taught me songs, and I. And I was singing Hank Williams songs, and she took me to a talent contest at that time when I, when I was four, and I sang "Your Cheating Heart" in a talent contest and won first prize, a five dollar bill. Would you believe? That is awesome. And How old were you when you did that? I was four. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but when I first heard Hank Williams sing, it changed my life forever. Yeah. And and I'd always know his voice when I heard him when I heard his record come on the radio, <laughs> uh, at the time, my mom was, was uh, working in my dad's grocery store. Mom and dad had a grocery store, and mom worked in it. And, uh, of course, she'd get my older brother's 
on the school bus. And then she'd get me ready and, and take me to the, to the grocery store, and she'd work there the rest of the day. But when I'd get there, I'd turn the radio on, and I'd, I'd, I knew right where to put the dial <laughs> on the country station, and I would listen. I would listen until I heard Hank Williams' song. <laughs> and, of course, Hank's was the only voice I recognized. There were other good singers in the bunch. They would, they'd be playing the records over and over. And uh, I knew that, that Hank, they only played him every once in a while. And so I'd stay until I heard one. Then I'd turn the radio off and go outside and play. <laughs> because I figured I'd never, I wouldn't hear another Hank song for a while. Yeah. So, and I didn't recognize the other singers. His was the only one I recognized. When I, the first time I heard Hank Williams' voice changed my life forever. And I don't know what that did, but, but it was a big part of me being in the music business today. That is incredible. That's awesome. So when you heard his voice, did you just kind of stop in your tracks and go, oh my God, who is this? Well, it, it just got, it, it got through to me. That's yeah. All. No, that's great. It's neat when you find someone who has that effect on you, that positive effect. And look at you now. You are just like this amazing, talented singer. And I mean. Well, I'm more into recording than ever. And I'm trying to record as many songs as I can while I'm while I'm still able to do it. And I'm I'm you know I'll go out on a limb and say it myself. I think I'm singing better than I ever have. So that inspires me to record a lot of things. I'm at my best, so I'm recording things for more or less for legacy. That's awesome. I love that. That that's perfect. Because even when you just talk, I love your voice. You have such a nice, <laughs> soothing, kind voice. Well, Bobby, you know, big shout out to you being on the podcast. It's always just so much fun talking with you. I remember when me and Casey were there in the VIP room with you and we were just having so much fun talking with you. Yeah. And I remember in my head, I kept saying, you need to like take a bunch of pictures with him before you guys leave. And all of a sudden, like you you jump up and you, you're like, I gotta go. And you run on stage and we're like, Oh no, I didn't. I was like, Oh crap. I didn't take my pictures. <laughs> but I know oh, it's the band, the band uh, introduced me and I had to go to stage. <laughs> and sing. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, don't be sorry. I loved that. I thought that was so cool. I was like, again, it just shows your absolute true passion for music. It was like, Nope, I'm, I'm going. And I don't know if you remember, but Casey and I had several hours to drive that night, and so I yeah, wanted I to, that, yeah. I wanted to stay till you closed. But I just, I we had to go because I knew I was already getting kind of tired, and I didn't want to drive off the road. But yeah, we waited a few songs, and when you had a tiny break, we got some pictures with you, and so totally cool, you guys. If you're in the Ohio or Kentucky area, you really, really do need to go. Check out Bobby Mackey's Music World. See this awesome, talented guy sing on stage. Have a beer. Have a drink. Take a tour. They treat you like family. Bobby, real quick before we end this episode, tell people your days and hours so the people who want to go know. Well, we're, we're open two nights a week. At, uh, at, at first, it was five nights a week, but we kind of dwindled down to, to Fridays and Saturdays, and that's where it works. We're there every Friday and Saturday night. Doors open at 
7 o'clock, the band and I, we love what we do, and most of the musicians have been with me for a long time. The bass player, actually, we, he and I started out together in 1968. Oh, wow. And he's, he's still with me, and the, the steel player, anyway, the bass player, Ernie Vaughn, the steel player, Chuck Rich, played steel guitar on the uh, Midwestern Hayride years ago. Hmm. And he, he played played steel with Kenny Price. But he's been with me over 30 years now, and, and the drummer just short of 30 years. Willie Brown, the drummer, just short of 30 years. And uh, wow. we, get this get, we got this new guitar player. He's been there four years now. That's he's neat. He's been there four years. He's not boo, but he, you know, he's, he's the newest one in the bunch. He's been there four years. Kenny Hill, great guitar player. That's awesome. Yeah. When I went, you guys were all just like so happy playing together and you were all joking together and laughing and having fun. And you could tell oh, like you, you could just feel the love and the energy and yeah, like a true family, a true little musical family. And so that's neat. You know, just so many years combined together on stage. <laughs> And we and we truly love country music. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't want to go putting down the music today, but I, but it ain't country. What they yeah. call country today is not country. In fact, I wrote a song about that, and that's one of my favorite songs too. It's that's on YouTube. It's called "What They Call Country." Uh, it's not country. They just stole the name. But this, this music today is no ways near country music. It ain't what hooked me on it when when Hank Williams hooked me on. It on himself and country music but when I was four years old it, it ain't that way anymore and, and I, I can't listen to the music but I guess these, a, lot, a lot of people can so that's okay but <laughs> my band and I love real genuine country music and that's yeah. what we play no and that's terrific absolutely and I must say it's it's really neat that I'm sure you know, because I've asked you before in the past if I could use your, you know, music for the beginning of the episode. And so your voice is literally the first thing people hear every single episode before my voice even. And so Great. you're always, Great. yeah, Bobby, and I always, you know, say, of course, this is courtesy of Bobby Mackey. But yeah, I, uh, I'm i just uh, happy and honored to call you a friend. <laughs> well, great. And you're going to have to come back and see us. I want to so bad. This time I'll stay in a hotel and not drive all night. <laughs> I'll be smart this time around. But yeah, it's it's definitely neat. I have to say real quick that it was interesting because I was tripping out. I didn't know how close Cincinnati was to Wilder. And so we knew, we saw that, I don't know if it was the, maybe it was the United States' second largest cemetery is in Cincinnati. And so we're like, well, it's only a few miles away. We'll go. It was like a totally different world, like the traffic, the streets, like it was like, it almost reminded me of being in Los Angeles in Cincinnati. And then you get over to Kentucky after all the roundabouts and it's like, oh, I could breathe again. <laughs> it was <laughs> yeah, crazy. It's a great area. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and people, people love country music. They love coming to, uh, you know, it ha hasn't been mentioned uh, on this interview, but we, we've been calling the place uh, Bobby Mackey's America's Honky Tonk. Yeah. Oh, I know. I kept calling it Music World, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it was Bobby Mackey's Music World when I first opened, and, and people do still refer to it, but it got shortened along the way to just Bobby Mackey's, and now we're calling it 
America's honky tonk. We have been for the last last uh, four or five years, maybe. But it's it's okay. just a, uh, it's just a catchy term, America's yeah. honky tonk. Yeah, definitely. No, that's cool. Yeah, I love honky tonk. When Casey and I were traveling, we went to it was in Tennessee, I believe. I think it was called Moody's Honky Tonk, <laughs> and. Yeah. I think it has like the world's largest bar or something crazy, but yeah, uh, good times for sure. But yeah, that's on my list to go visit you guys again. I, you know. Yeah, we, we all had a good time talking in what we call the green room. Yeah, that's a neat room. I remember the king and queen are up on the wall and you were talking about how they were like kind of hidden in the bathroom at one point and yeah and the old safe and really just uh so much history just in that room alone <laughs> yeah well, uh, in fact i told you the story because uh, i think we had just discovered that the king and the queen was on the old bathroom doors from years ago when it was the uh, it was the Primrose Country Club, and then it changed to the Latin Quarter. And when they did that, they changed the color scheme, and they they cut they covered the doors over with leather. Well, through the years, it's been that it stayed that way. Hmm. And and Denise was going. To, the weather was the leather was cracking and everything, and Denise wanted to peel that all off and paint the doors. That was back before you came there. Yeah. And she was tearing that leather off, and all of a sudden, here was it was. A queen on the door on that leather hmm. and it was the ladies room so she cut it off real neatly and put it in a frame we got it hanging there in the green room and at the time we couldn't find the king we didn't know what happened to it because we'd moved the men's room through the years there we had moved the men's room to another location well hmm. that door didn't exist anymore we didn't think so we thought that that door had got thrown out when we when we tore that part out yeah well, after that, Matt, the guy that uh, works for us, happened to find that door in the basement, and we were able to confiscate that, keep the king, and put him in a in a frame next to the queen. <laughs> that is awesome that you found him. That Matt able was able to find him, and Matt's another one that kind of joined in at some point with the conversation. Just all, so many nice people there you got there. Just a nice big family. So, very yeah, neat. Yeah. <laughs> we got some, we got great help that's been with us a while. Yeah. And it's just, it runs itself pretty much. But, of course, Denise does all the work. But, but uh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, she makes it run. Right. Makes it work. Well, all I got to do is sing, and I'm I'm grateful for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. It's neat that you're able to do something that you love. Not everybody's so lucky, so you hold on to that, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm more than lucky. I'm blessed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Bobby, I I don't want to take any more of your time. I know you're a busy guy, and I am so grateful and appreciative of kidnapping you. Well, it's so great to talk to you again, and uh, and good luck to you, and uh, I hope to see you again in Wilder sometime. We will, absolutely. I will I will see you again sometime over there. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Bobby. You have a great night. You too. Thank you very much. <laughs> Truly an awesome guy. One of the most kind-hearted souls I know. And again, if you're in the Ohio or Kentucky area, please be sure to go check out my buddy, Bobby Mackey. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! 
Listen to the others, you guys. They are all pretty awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry. You could head on over to any of those podcast platforms, such as Owl Tell, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Spotify, CastBox, basically wherever you may roam to listen to your other podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Vancouver, Canada, Hurricane, West Virginia, Somerset, North Carolina, and Norfolk, Virginia. Thanks for stopping by, all. It's greatly appreciated. Do you have a spooky story of your own to share, a recommendation for an episode topic, or want to become a voiceover? Let me know at paraprowl at gmail.com, or you can message me on my Facebook page. That is Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. Again, a big shout-out to Robert Randall Mackey, and we will see you next week.